You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world and make an impact in our own unique way. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to heart-led creatives. Hi, and welcome to another episode. We are almost at the end of season two of Creatively Human. There's actually just one more interview to come on Monday with Jessica Rose Williams. But before that, I have a bonus Q&A episode for you. Now, before I dive in, I wanted to ask you for a massive favor. It's the one year anniversary of this podcast in October, and I've set myself a pretty lofty goal of reaching 100 reviews by that time. So would you please be able to leave me an iTunes review? You can do this either from the podcast app or from a desktop within the iTunes app. Thank you so much in advance because I need all the help I can get. At the time of recording, I only have 20 reviews, but I appreciate every single one of them. Anyway, on to the bonus Q&A episode. So what I did for this episode was I put a call out on Instagram for any and all questions you have about what I do, about running an online business and so on. I also have a monthly mentoring day, so I feel like I should share this more because I don't talk about it enough. But on the first Thursday, generally the first Thursday of every month, I have a day where I'm around all day for you to ask me your questions. So you can send me an email, you can comment on Instagram, you can chat in the Facebook group, which is also called Creatively Human. You can ask me any specific questions about your online business or even general questions, and I will get back to you with hopefully a useful answer. So I also included a couple of those questions in this Q&A episode, as I think that they are useful for everyone. So yeah, I'm just going to dive in. Um, when I do a Q&A episode, I keep all the question askers anonymous just because I don't know what people's preferences are if they want to be shared. So yeah, it's all anonymous. So if you have a question for a future Q&A, then feel free to send it to me. Um, it's all on a variety of topics this episode and I haven't prepared any of the answers. So let's just see what comes up. So the first thing uh, that I have on my list was vulnerability in general. Now, I asked for questions quite a while ago on Instagram, so I can't remember if this is exactly how someone phrased the question. But yeah, all I have written down is vulnerability in general. So I guess my thoughts on vulnerability, hopefully that's what you meant. But yeah, Um, my thoughts on vulnerability are they're evolving, I guess. So if you haven't heard my story for a long time, I hid away a lot. I did not make myself vulnerable. I was very scared of criticism. I was very scared of what people thought. I mean, I still am scared of that stuff in a kind of normal human way, but I would say I was really, really scared to a kind of paralyzing level before. Um, And now I do share more. I am more vulnerable. I'm way more honest about my fears and my sort of insecurities. And doing the podcast and talking to other people about their fears and insecurities is really, really useful because I kind of learn that everyone has the same uh, same feelings but um, the reason I say that my thoughts on it are evolving is because I also realize how important it is to be vulnerable within certain boundaries I do not share everything that's going on in my life not by any means um, there are some things I won't share if I'm feeling really fragile about something I'm not going to share it I'm not going to share anything for validation because I can't rely on social media for my own validation I just can't. I have to cultivate that sense of self-worth myself rather than trying to get it from likes and comments and messages on social media. And I also realise that, you know, as the breadwinner of my family, it's really important to protect my business. So sometimes there are things that I might kind of want to talk about, but that I don't. And 
it's difficult for me to say this because I think the general message on social media about running your own business is, oh, you should be able to say what you want. And if people don't like it, then they shouldn't be your customer. But the reality is, you know, a bit more complicated than that. I know that people who follow me and people who work with me share my values in many respects, but it's easy for things to be taken out of the wrong context. And we're all learning and we can mess up. And although I'm willing to mess up, I'm not always willing to share every part of the journey of that messing up if I think it's going to put my business at stake. I really hope that's clear. It's really hard to articulate how I feel about it. But yeah, there have to be boundaries for me when it comes to vulnerability. So yeah, um, someone else asked uh, for an update on being a mum in business. Well, this is something that's evolving all the time as well. Um, I try to be honest about it, but sometimes I find it hard because being a mum is something that has more than anything made me question whether I'm good enough. And I'm sure that loads of people can relate, but I'm always questioning whether I'm doing the right thing, whether I'm good enough. I do still compare myself to other people. Obviously, I'm in a different situation to a lot of people because I'm the breadwinner. My husband's the main caregiver, if that's the right word. But I still consider myself to be a full-time mum, even though I work a lot, because I think about my son all the time and I do, you know, loads of mental labour related to the family and all of this. But yeah, it's certainly a lot easier than it was. It was really hard, probably, for the first year. It wasn't hard for the entire first year, but it was especially hard in the beginning because I just had no idea and I felt so conflicted about everything. Now it's a lot easier. We have a really good routine. Um, We have, you know reliable childcare that happens at the same time every week. I have really good chunks of time in which to get my work done now. So yeah, it's a lot easier, but I know that it's always going to be evolving. There are always challenges. There are always bloody sleep regressions to deal with. And that's hard when I've got certain work to do. You know, I've planned in big things and I think I've got all the time in the world, but then I'm so tired that I can't focus. That's hard, but sleep is generally better now. But yeah, there are still regressions and Yeah, always learning, always evolving and trying to be kind to myself. And I think I'm getting better at that. The next question is, what was the biggest mistake in running your business and what slash how did you learn from it? Okay, I really should have prepared for this question. So I'm just going to have to say, well, the thing that comes straight off the top of my head is feeling like I had to do things a certain way and being stuck trying to force myself to do things a certain way for years. So I started my business in 2008 and it was really fun and exciting when I first started it. But then, you know, I got more serious about it and I started learning, you know, all about online marketing and how to do all this stuff and, you know, the kind of goals I should be having and the ways I should be selling. And I tried to follow, you know, the the traditional online marketing formula for a long time and it never felt good. It always made me feel anxious. I never felt good enough because I couldn't do it to a good enough standard because it felt bad, basically. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I started realizing that doing it my way was working and it was okay to do it differently. But it still took me a few more years to then do things like this, you know, be more vulnerable like I've talked about. But yeah, I guess that's my biggest mistake. But I have learned a lot from it. To be honest, I don't actually see it as a negative thing. I think it's really useful knowing all those traditional kind of marketing methods because I still use them now, but I use them in a totally tweaked way. That's not a very good sentence, but yeah. I tweak them to my own sort of values and my own requirements as an introvert and someone who, you know, finds certain things hard. And so it's really useful. But yeah, and I'm really grateful that I was able to run my business for this long. But yeah, that's probably the biggest mistake. Okay, so I had quite a few questions about mentoring. 
Um, and I hope that this will be useful even if you're not necessarily thinking about offering mentoring because it's also about sort of what you're capable of and what you think you're good at and what you think you want to do and sort of questioning that and realizing that you were wrong. <laughs> so yeah, someone asked, when did you know that you were ready to start offering mentoring services? So to be honest, I didn't know I was ready until I did it. And this can obviously be applied to so many other things just other than mentoring. So the reason I thought about potentially doing it, I suppose there were some specific signs that I was ready before I actually did it. But yeah, it wasn't until I did it that I fully knew. So the reason I thought about mentoring was because I wanted to change the direction I was going on in my business. And I just love stuff to do with online business. Um, You know, it's funny when you love something and you love reading about it, you love putting things into practice, but you kind of fight against it. So I fought against it because, you know, loving online business and marketing sounds a bit rubbish, but I do, I love it. And it turns out that there are different ways to do online business and marketing and I can apply loads of my values and interests to that. So I'm more at peace with that now. But yeah, before I was like, really, really? Is this what I want to do? But yeah, and obviously I knew that one way to monetize that strength and that passion was to do mentoring but I really fought against it mainly because I don't like phone calls and I find certain social situations stressful and difficult so yeah I didn't think mentoring was for me but then I started this podcast and it kind of made me realize that I get to talk to people in a deep way and that although I still do feel anxious before interviews it's ultimately still very rewarding if I manage my energy right so yeah doing the podcast really helped and then I just decided to give it a go. I put out some, I put out an offer to do some calls for £35 and that is really cheap. I I thought about doing it for free. The reason I charge that is just so that there was some sort of commitment, you know, a higher commitment on both sides. And the calls went really well and it taught me so much it taught me more than talking to anyone about it could have ever taught me or reading about it. Actually doing it taught me so much and yeah. I realized that I was good at it. So yeah, that made me feel more ready. And that was that. Okay. Next question about mentoring is how have I found the change to mentoring slash working with business owners versus my other work? Am I hoping to move fully over to the mentoring side eventually? Uh, Yes and no. I am hoping to move fully over to mentoring plus podcasting, courses, um, online training and that kind of thing. I'm probably not going to be a full-time mentor because I really enjoy doing courses and things like that as well. But yes, basically, yes, I want to move fully over to that. How am I finding the change? Um, It's really interesting because my other work was really, really flexible. So flexible. So probably the downside of mentoring is that it's less flexible because I have to be there, you know, at certain times but to get around that and being really I've got really clear boundaries with my calendar you know I make sure I've got weeks off calls completely and it's working really well I would say um it's also really great having that direct interaction with my customers because I learn so much about them I learn so much about my kind of ideal customer as a whole from literally talking to people and in my other business which if you don't know is like a copywriting company and I have freelancers and we provide content for all kinds of website owners um I didn't talk to my customers much and let's just say it's a lot easier to learn about what your customers need when you talk to them regularly um someone asked what's drawing me more to that side how have I found working with clients as an introvert 
Well, um, I kind of, I just said, you know, I've been quite boundaried with my calendar. It is draining, but actually, like with the podcasting, it's really great to go deep, uh, have deep conversations with people. It's really interesting. I feel like I personally learn a lot. And I suppose like ongoing learning is one of the things I value in my life. So that's really, really good. Um, And because I'm kind of showing up as myself, I get clients who, you know, want to work with me. And that's really, really freeing. And it's really nice to work with people who, you know, share the same values as you. Um, In terms of being an introvert, yeah, it, it all comes down to managing the calendar and making sure I have enough off time. Even things like trying to get appointments earlier in the day rather than later so that I don't spend the whole day, you know, in anticipation of the call. But also long term, ongoing relationships with people really, really help. Because the first call is always the most sort of anxiety inducing. But when you know the people, you just get to talk to them regularly. And it's really nice. And it's easy. And sometimes I actually feel energized during calls. I never expected that. I am a massive introvert. I feel energized, but also drained if that's possible. It is possible because that is how I feel. So what I mean is while I'm on the call, I just feel kind of on a high that I get to talk about this stuff with people. But yeah, I still need time to recharge afterwards. And the last question about mentoring was um, the difference between being a coach and a mentor. I thought about this a lot. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I thought about this a lot. I did not feel comfortable calling myself a coach because I know that coaching is a kind of it's a skill in its own right and I know that it's all about getting people to dig deeper into what they're thinking and their beliefs and all that and people can do training to be a coach and they can coach people in all kinds of subjects and what they're not an expert in is the specific subject that the person needs help with but they're an expert in coaching itself and I feel like that's where the distinction is so as a mentor I am an expert in the subject, which is online business. I mean, that's not to say that I know everything about everyone's online business. And for example, you know, people do all kinds of things who work with me. So for example, if I work with an artist, I'm not an expert on being an artist or art, but I am an expert in the online business side of things. So yeah, I feel like that's the distinction. So as a mentor, I share my expertise. Obviously, there are crossovers with coaching, but I'm not trained as a coach, but I am very experienced in online marketing, and that's why I call myself a mentor. Okay, so on to uh, questions about business in general. What are the most important steps before launching a new business? Okay, this is a big question, and I'm not going to give it a big answer because obviously it really depends on what your business is. On the one hand, I would say to plan it and be careful. And on the other hand, I would say just to go for it. (laughs) So what I mean on the planning side is, you know, if you're transitioning from, you know, a day job, you need to be smart about your money. You need to have money saved. You need to be, you know, practical about how this is really going to work. You need to know that sometimes it can be slow to get a business off the ground. So if you need that money, you need to be smart about it. But the reason I say it is just to go for it is because it's really easy to overthink things for a long time. So, for example, my husband was in an office job that he really didn't like and my business was doing really well. And we talked a lot about him quitting his job and starting his own business. And fortunately, we were in the position where he could do that. And in the end, I just really encouraged him just to go for it because we had the money and he had the opportunity. And so he did. So, yeah. And this other question kind of ties into that. How do you know when you're ready to launch your first offering? That's an interesting question. My feeling is, I don't know, I feel like if you're asking that, then you must be ready. It depends what it is, obviously. Like if it's a digital product, there's not really anything you need to have in place before you can do it. You can literally write an ebook and put it up for sale today if you have an idea. 
as long as you have an idea. Obviously, if it's a physical product, then I guess you need to figure out the steps that are necessary in order to create that. I suppose I would say that sometimes it's worth sitting on an idea if you tend to have a lot of ideas and get really excited about them and then lose momentum as you actually get into creating them. I mean, that's a typical entrepreneur problem, isn't it? I would say, yeah, just sit with the idea for a while and see how you feel about it. Let it percolate. But yeah, I don't know. Do you need to be ready? Is there something you need before you can do it or can you just do it? Do you have the idea? Obviously, it's important to plan, but there are times when it's also important just to go for it. So yeah, sorry, that's kind of a vague answer, but it's difficult to say. Someone asked, how can a blogger pivot to being a business? Well, there are so many ways, so many ways. It really depends. It always depends, doesn't it? So with all these questions, obviously, I don't know what your business is or what your ideas are. But yeah, bloggers, there are so many ways to monetize your blog or to indirectly create a business off being a blogger. So, you know, direct ways could be to put ads on your blog or to do sponsored posts or, I don't know, you could sell a course related to what you're blogging about. You could do freelance writing services and your blog is basically your portfolio. Or if you have loads of followers, you can do, you know, you can become an influencer. There are so many ways. I would think about what do people ask you about a lot? What uh, what posts do you write that really resonate with people? Which posts get the most traffic? What do people always come back to you saying? And think about why it is that they come to your blog. Why do they like your blog? And how can you turn that into a paid thing that you can sell? Again, I hope that's not too vague. But yeah, there are so many ways, so many ways. And sometimes you need to experiment. But sometimes if you dig into your stats and into what people are asking and what they're saying, sometimes there's a topic that will jump out. And I would say run with that and create something to do with that. Someone said, I'm putting off setting up my Squarespace site. I need to break it down, but do you have any tips? Okay, I don't use Squarespace. My husband uses Squarespace. I use WordPress. So I'm not going to give you any specific tips with Squarespace, but I am going to give you some general tips on setting up a website. Just do it in the most simple form you can and then work up from there. Don't overwhelm yourself with thinking it needs to be perfect and you have to have all the information on your website. You can literally just start with a coming soon page and your email address and what your service or product is and you can work from there. It doesn't need to be perfect. I really encourage you to do it imperfectly and do it quicker than trying to get everything done all in one go. SEO, do you need to use it and if so, how? Well, okay, you don't need to use SEO because there are other ways to get visitors to your website. And for those who don't know, SEO is search engine optimization. And it's when you make tweaks to your website and use certain keywords and things so that your website will show up in Google search results. It's a really good way to get free traffic, but it's not it's not a really easy way necessarily. But yeah, you don't have to use it because you can get traffic in all sorts of ways. So from social media, from paid ads, you can get it from podcast, you can get it from all kinds of ways. However, I think it's something that's worth thinking about, especially if you have the time or if you're starting a site from scratch, it's definitely worth thinking about. But just know that it takes time. It takes time to build up. And um, SEO means thinking about keywords, optimizing your website, you know, the title of your website to include certain keywords. And also Pinterest is a really good thing to look into for SEO because Pinterest is basically its own search engine. So creating images for each of your blog posts and pinning them to Pinterest and including hashtags in the pins. This is a really, really basic answer. But yeah, that's what I think of it in a nutshell. Basically, I am not the person to ask as an SEO expert. I have the brief, uh, I have the basic knowledge, but yeah, 
I'm not an SEO expert, but yeah, that's how I feel. Someone asked about my content planning ebook. What was the inspiration behind it? Who is it for? And so on. Okay, so my content planning ebook is called Spark, and I have not talked about this enough recently. But basically, um, like I said, my previous business, I'm still running it, is uh, copywriting, and I do a lot of content planning. I come up with a lot of content ideas in loads of different topics. Um, blog posts, ebooks, social media posts, tweets, everything. And I've just found that that is one of my strengths and I wanted to share this with people. So my ebook is full of ways of generating ideas and ultimately it will help you generate 52 different content ideas for your business. So the idea is that it's one per week, but obviously you use them as an however you need to use them but it also goes into figuring out who your content's for the purpose it serves you know how it will support promotions going on in a business and it's for bloggers it's for podcasters it's for instagrammers it's for people with online businesses it's for people with digital products it's for people with physical products honestly it can help everyone who uses content as a way to sell what they do so and it's really cheap it's really affordable and I'm very proud of it because like I said I do consider it to be one of my superpowers so yeah if you go to my website ruthpoundwright.com and click on ebook in the menu you will find it it's called spark and it's very affordable and it could do wonders for your business so yeah there's a little promo there um someone asked how do you write Instagram captions in advance how do I know what I'm going to say I write them in advance whenever I feel inspired. I have a notebook on my iPhone notes so that whenever ideas come to me, I can really quickly write them down. In terms of how do I know what I'm going to say, I don't actually plan out which of the captions I'm going to use on which day. So when it comes to actually time to post, I'll either write something off the cuff, I do that sometimes, or I'll go through my notes and I'll find whatever caption feels right for that day. So it's kind of a mixture of posting in the moment but also being a bit intentional and planning ahead so that I don't run out of ideas and I'm really happy with that way of doing things oh there was a second part to the question it says does content you've planned months ago ever end up feeling stale once you go to post it um yes sometimes but often I can tweak it change it a bit but a lot of the content is still relevant even if it's not a thought I literally had today it's still relevant today and I don't mind that I didn't write it today. I know that some, for some people it's really important for them on Instagram to post in the moment, but for me it's more important to sort of make my life a bit easier and to sometimes post in the moment and sometimes post something I wrote a little while ago. So yeah, that's how I feel. Someone asked about overcoming creative droughts. <laughs> At the time I was talking about how I was in a creative drought when I when I, I mean, I asked months ago on Instagram for question ideas and yeah, I was in a massive creative drought. And ultimately, I had to stop trying to push forward and just let it be. <laughs> it was really difficult. But yeah, I've just come to realize that there are ebbs and flows when it comes to ideas and creativity. And I was in a period where I just needed to sit for a while and, you know, read more, actually reading more and listening to podcasts outside of my normal kind of topics and things like that. That was all really useful. But yeah, ultimately... It just came down to time. Um, someone asked, how do you pick yourself up when you feel tired of the grind? Now, the answer to this question depends, as normal. It depends on whether I'm in a phase where I have to push through or whether I'm not. 
The thing I think is that sometimes we think we're in a phase where we have to push through more often than we really are, if that makes sense. So it can be really easy to think, I've got to do this. I have no time. I really have to do this. So I've been trying really hard to question that thought. Usually some things we think we have to do, we don't have to do. We just feel like we have to. I can't think of an example right now. It could be something like, you know, posting on Instagram or doing a blog post. We really don't have to do it just for the sake of being consistent. If we're really fed up, if we're burnt out, if we're tired, if we're just fed up with our work, we don't always have to push through. There are times when we have to push through either for money reasons or to maintain deadlines with clients or whatever. And in those cases, I think it's really important to push through while you can and to take time off afterwards. But if you don't have to push through, just really question what you're doing. What can you drop the ball on? I've had to be really, really strict with myself on this and especially in times of, you know, row and sleep regressions. And I've had to just drop the ball on things so that I can have a nap during the day. And it's honestly sounds easy, but it's really hard to force myself to do that. But yeah, I guess that's what I want to say on that. Okay, next question is, I feel my business has become a little stale and I've been going around in circles with it for a while. Do you have any suggestions to make a new start and feel like I'm making progress again? And this was actually a question asked for my monthly mentoring day, but I thought it'd be useful to share the answer. And, and basically, I feel like there are two ways in which your business can go stale. So it could be stale in the way you feel towards it, like it's just not lighting you up anymore, or it could be that the income side of it has gone stale. And honestly, I've been in both places and I've been in times where I've been going round and round in circles. I hadn't been feeling in love with my business for a long time. And ultimately, this is actually why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm still running my own business, but the podcast and the mentoring and the courses is what really lights me up. So I'm slowly changing and I'm doing it really gradually. I'm being really intentional about it. I'm being really careful about how I manage my energy and I'm being really careful about making sure the money's still coming in. But it did take me a lot of soul searching to reach that point. Honestly, it's not easy to figure out what you really want to do. And if you're an entrepreneur, you'll identify with um, having so many ideas and being excited by them and then that excitement quickly dying away. So for me personally, I really had to sit with my ideas because I really wanted to make sure that this was right for me before I made a change. And I'm glad I have now, but it did take me a while. I actually wrote a blog post about this. Um, it's at ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash aunt hyphen fulfilled hyphen business. Yeah, catchy title, I know. Um, yeah, it's about how to figure out what is at the heart of you not feeling fulfilled by your business. And uh, if it's the money that's gone stale, then I think it's really important to do some big picture thinking. So take yourself somewhere out of your normal surroundings, journal, do some planning, brain dump your thoughts, basically have a business meeting with yourself and see what you can come up with honestly I know it sounds really simple but sometimes literally doing some numbers on paper figuring out what you can sell and how much you can charge and blah 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 you can you can come up with something just like that to bring money in honestly um and yeah if you are changing your direction in your business then I empathize with you it is scary but if it feels right and if you sat with it for a while then I really encourage you to go for it and I'm really glad I personally have
Okay, so for the last question, someone asked me about growing social media accounts, uh, specifically Instagram. They said they only have a small number of followers and is there something they're doing wrong or not doing? They're trying to like and comment as much as they can and follow people with a similar ethos. Um, And they also wondered if including pictures of themselves uh, would help. So I feel like growth can be really slow and really difficult in the beginning. I personally don't have a huge account, but I'm really proud of the way that it has grown over the year that it has been up. And I feel like for me, doing things a bit differently, like creating my own hashtags, um, attaching them to challenges and sharing prompts for people to share, that really helped me. It really helped me a lot. Starting this podcast helped me as well, but it was starting my own hashtags and challenges that really sort of gave me the first push into growing my account. Um, So I would think about hashtags related to the values of your business why you do what you do encourage people to share them if you have a product-based business you could also do a competition and give some stuff away I do feel like sharing my face on my feed and in stories really helped as well because obviously we all follow so many people and when you actually see someone talking on stories it can help you put a face to the name and just help you feel a bit more attached to that person And it sounds simple, but sometimes I put a timer on and I'll just like engage with people. I mean, this is genuine engagement, not just like rubbish comments. Like I genuinely engage, but sometimes I know that a lot of us hold back from engaging. We're worried about what we say or we're worried that it'll be weird to reply to someone's story or something like that. So you do have to like stretch your comfort zone a bit if you're like me and you're really introverted and you're used to like lurking all the time. When I stopped lurking and when I started showing my face in Facebook groups and linking to my Instagram and stuff in you know, sharing threads when I was allowed to do so, that made a huge difference as well. So all these are kind of simple tips, but it all comes down to sort of plugging away, taking advantages when you can, and also being a bit creative in terms of hashtags and challenges and things that will get people sharing your account, basically. You do have to get a bit creative, but when you do, it's really, really worth it. So yeah, I hope you found that Q&A useful. It was quite varied in terms of questions, but if you have any questions about online business or about anything that I do, then send them to me. You can go on Instagram at RuthPoundY or you can send me an email from my website and I will save them for a future Q&A episode, which will probably not be for a few months now because I'll leave it till the next series of podcasts. But yeah, some of these questions that I answered today were actually asked to me months ago. So I apologize for taking so long to get around to them. But yeah, I will write down any questions you send me and save them for the next Q&A. So yeah, that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.